Okay, so according to an article that I'm reading in the Harvard Business Review, and this, um, it, it touches on a lot of different things, but I'm going to just go ahead and give you the facts and figures first, and then, you know, I'm going to give you my view. Well, in a recent uh, Me Too survey uh, from the Harvard Business Review, 19% of men said they were reluctant to hire attractive women. 21% said they were reluctant to hire women for jobs involving close interactions with men. And 27% said they avoided one-on-one -on -one meetings with female colleagues. So, and they're titling this uh, from the HBR uh, website. It's actually called the Me Too Backlash. And this is something that um, I've talked about. When we're talking about using your soft skills, understanding emotional intelligence, and we are very clear on the fact that there's a lot, there's a, lo a huge swath of the um of a lot of industries, but in the workplace, there's a huge swath of men who maybe don't have deeply developed emotional intelligence. And I'm not saying just men, like that's for women too. So I can understand very clearly after all of the the aggression that surrounded the Me Too movement and everything, I can understand why men would be reluctant. But at the same time, as a woman, I'm highly offended that my looks would be what would stop me from, when I'm stepping in the door with my resume, that my looks would stop me from being able to get something that I'm qualified for, that would allow me to feed myself, my family, keep a roof over my head, that I would be denied that because of my looks. So the problem is not with me, the problem is, the, is in the perceiver who is you're looking at me and deciding whether I'm too attractive to work someplace. That's kind of offensive, but at the same time, it's understandable. And like, you know me, you know, if it's in the news, I got a view. And when the Me Too movement first came out, I talked about it extensively on my show. It's what I refer to as the lost episodes on Anchor before we transferred over with Spotify, as before Spotify became a parent company. And I actually did a very extensive episode on the Me Too movement, on how I really felt like these very angry, young, aggressive, so-called progressive women. It's like, it, it, it never felt healthy to me the me too movie. and I and like I talked about that on my show and I, I felt like that these were women who there was a lot of aggression to it I felt like there were a lot of women it felt to me that the me too movement like they had a hit list and like they were just going down and checking off names and it, and, and, and I saw of the potential backlash and like I said I talked about it on the show and um, saw the potential backlash in this very aggressive way of trying to shame me in, in the way that they were doing things and I find it interesting now because I'm, like I said I never felt connected to the Me Too movement even as someone who had experienced sexual harassment not just in the workplace but I never ever felt comfortable with the Me Too movement and it later turned out that one of the actual founders and one of the loudest people of of the Me Too movement, it turned out that she herself had actually, um, like a previous, I guess, like about maybe a decade ago, had actually been involved with an underage male and then kind of paid him off to be quiet about it. So needless to say, it kind of dissolved a little bit. So it's interesting to see now how the Me Too movement 
with, and that's why I stress so much feisty kittens. You know, I'm always talking about emotional intelligence. And with, and I'll give a quick definition. Emotional intelligence, understanding, identifying, and then managing your emotions. Not everything needs a protest or a march. Like, none of that. Like, sometimes you can just sit down and work things out if you're willing to kind of put some of those feelings and some of those unconscious biases to the side. Because that's very much an unconscious bias. If a man looks at me and goes, oh, she's too attractive, I can't hire her. That's an unconscious bias but there's also an unconscious bias when you go oh all men do this or these men or that's an unconscious bias and it can be dangerous and in this particular instance the me too movement literally created for women a backlash that did the exact opposite of what they said their movement was intending to do because you have now allowed with the with the Me Too movement, with the, the shaming, and now men are retreating and backtracking, but they're also the ones who do a lot of the hiring. So they have now made it even harder for women to actually be seen, heard, and taken seriously based on the merits of their skills and talents, and not just because they're a millennial with a voice. It's like, so I, I think that it's, it's really important to look at that. I think that, because like I said, it just seems like, an, Everyone's upset about something. It seems like every day there's some protest, there's some march, there's some activist group that's ready to take somebody down. It's like, but I don't think they always look at the the long-term effects of that. I think that we get so caught up in what we believe should happen that we don't actually take into consideration that we're not speaking for everybody. And that's why I kept stressing um, even during the Me Too movement. This Me Too movement does not speak for all women. And they, I don't even think they took all women into consideration when they were speaking. And it's like, so again, when I talk about these unconscious biases and people go, we are talking about the unconscious bias. Like, what does that look like in the real world? And I think that we're seeing that um, according to this HBR um, uh, article in this survey, we're seeing that backlash taking place against women in the workplace. And that's unfortunate.